0: Now, the Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070.
1: Hi there, thanks for listening. This is the Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show is brought to you in part by Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Services Modern Mortgage Group, Carrie Augustini, Insurance Manager for Island Savings, and Carrie Smith, Home Inspector from Inspect Tech. If you need an opinion from experts in insurance, mortgages, or building inspections, these are the experts that you need to talk with. To find their contact information, just visit the CFAX 1070 website, look under shows, and there you'll find us, the whole home show with me, Tony Joe. All their contact information is there, or you can always find me online or on social media, and I would be happy to connect you. My background as your host for the next hour is as a locally born and raised Real estate agent. I've been helping people buy and sell homes since 1991. Uh, I've been doing this for over 27 years now, and I've seen, uh, overseen uh, over 2,500 transactions locally. So I've seen almost every situation a scenario that you can imagine. And using that experience, I'm happy to share them with you here, our weekly listener on The Whole Home Show. Uh, there are so many things that happen in the world of real estate. Uh, it's an exciting uh, industry. It's an exciting hobby for many, and thank you very much for listening and continuing to listen. If you have any uh, questions that you would like brought up on the air, feel free to contact me. My own personal website is primeteam.ca, primeteam.ca, or again, find us on the CFAX website. There's been changes in the market recently, unlike any seen by the likes of people like me. I've been working here for, like I said, almost 30 years. There's a sense of doom and gloom out there, and there are dropping sales, and there's raising inventory, but strangely, prices remain strong. Can we learn from the things of the past? Let's find out today with our guest, longtime local real estate legends, Ken Henderson and Bev Heighton. They're going to tell us all about what life was like in the 1980s, in the 1960s, and more. But let's start our show with our weekly listener question. If you have a question that you'd like us to answer on our show, you can call us. Our hotline is 250-414-6540. That's 250-414-6540. Or again, visit the CFAX 1070 website. We'll discuss it on the air. I received a uh, telephone message this week. And uh, I have to tell you, it it was garbled because I think the lady uh, had a bad cell phone connection or maybe a bad uh, uh, line at her home. A lovely Chinese lady... I did not get your name, Um, but the question that she brought up was about real estate commissions. She was wondering why they are all over the place, uh, why they are different, and why some appear to be very expensive and why some appear to be very inexpensive. So uh, again, uh, forgive me, I did not get your name. I hope you're listening to the show uh, today uh, so you know that uh, I've identified your question. Thank you very much for calling in. Um, so the first thing that I must mention is there is no standard or set real estate fee. Uh, consumers might think that, oh yeah, well, you know, there are a certain rate uh, in Victoria, there's a certain rate in Nanaimo or, or whatever. They are not. And the reason why they're not is the Competitions Bureau uh, has ensured that uh, an industry like the real estate industry does not engage in what's known as price fixing. Price fixing, uh, as, as you may know, uh, is where an industry or a group uh, colludes together to try to make, th- you know, it's kind of like the gas, it's like gas stations. How, how is it that they're, they're, you know, the prices are always the same? You can't really go shopping with a lot of range with gas stations. Anyways, I'm just getting off topic here a little bit. Um, the real estate fees are not fixed. So the government basically allows real estate professionals to have their own fee based on their own value proposition and what it is they are going to offer to the consumer so I just want to make it very clear here the real estate industry the real estate boards the real estate uh, uh, councils they do not dictate real estate fees it all depends on the individual and what it is they're going to provide to the consumer so Getting back to your question, you have noticed that some fees are high, some fees are low. And that is true in all things. It's the same as when you're shopping for a car. You know, on the outside, a car's got four wheels, got a steering wheel. They all do the same thing. But there are uh, Hyundais and there are Mercedes Benzes. You get very nice Hyundais, but you also get... Um, uh, very fancy cars like Bentleys or Rolls Royces. I'm not suggesting here that you need to pay Rolls Royce dollars for your real estate fee. But what I'd like to say is you should at least be getting the value that you're expecting. So what is it that the real estate agents are offering for their real estate fee? You know, there are many different business models out there. Uh, there is something called a mere posting where you can hire a real estate agent just to post your listing on the MLS service, but they will not provide any other service. No open houses, no uh, no handling of realtor inquiries. So in other words, you have to handle all of that. Uh, you have to basically negotiate your own transaction. They will not provide any sort of agency representation or any sort of um, uh, liabilities. Uh, And they will do that for a very minimal cost. And, you know, there are some people where this actually works. There are people that sell their own cars. There's people that sell, you know, their own stuff. There are people that have that temperament and have that ability to do so. I would say the vast majority of consumers don't have those skills when it comes to real estate or a house. It's a very complicated process. Uh, The legal profession tells us that uh, nearly 100%, something like 97% of transactions that occur uh, at law offices happen with real estate professionals involved. So it it does uh, say something about the requirement of uh, agency and the requirement of um, professional responsibility in such a huge, huge transaction. So um, I will give you some tips for any of the listeners here uh, who are wondering about real estate fees and how to find out uh, exactly what it is uh, you're getting for it. Well, first of all, interview agents. Uh, It's always a good practice to at least meet two, maybe three agents to shop around. It is a big decision. It's going to be a big investment in your future because this agent is the person that you're going to hire to try to get not only a sale of your home, but a maximum sale of your home. You want to make sure that you extract every dollar you can out of the property. So go meet with a couple of agents, get a sense of their capabilities. And and here is the difficult one. Sometimes people make their decision based on um, chemistry how they feel about the person, you know, Oh, you know, she, she feels like she's a nice uh, agent and she'd be great. But the question is, does that agent have the capability does the agent have the skills and the ability that are demonstrable? Are they able to demonstrate that they have a track record, a successful track record of being able to find a buyer for your home to be able to negotiate strongly and to be able to get your property sold because For for many agents, let's face it, it is a part-time job. You can have another job when you are a real estate agent. So some people do it on the side. And the question that I would ask you is: Would you ever hire a part-time brain surgeon, or would you ever hire a part-time lawyer? That option is there. You can do it. But I'm just hoping that you're not paying the same dollar for a part-time agent that you would for a professional who has, who's got a track record and has, uh, and is able to demonstrate their, their skills. You will also want to ask for testimonials. So in today's day and age, everything's online. There are rating uh, uh, resources out there. There's Rank My Agent, Rate Your Realtor all of these things online. You can go up. Um, agents locally here in Victoria have profiles. I have a profile. Uh, we It's just like when you're choosing a restaurant, you want to check out reviews. You want to know how that person has done for their past clients. And uh, sometimes, actually, you'll read comments um, uh, from consumers that had a bad experience and will Will uh, will describe it, but sometimes the realtor will respond on the posting site and explain exactly why it is. Um, so that's something else that you should do as well: is check out rating sites, ask for testimonials, ask them for uh, names and numbers of past clients, past customers who they have served. Um, there's so much to consider, but again, I just want to reiterate the fact that there is no set real estate fee. Realtors can set. Uh, Realtors can have fees based on their value proposition. Uh, That's one of the fun things about the business, but it is something that uh, is a little more complicated for consumers to navigate. Just do your homework and make sure you're getting what you're paying for. Thank you very much for calling in. Again, I apologize I didn't get your name. Um, For anyone else, if you're calling in, please be sure to repeat your name. Uh, and leave your phone number so I can call you back. The phone number is 250 414 6540, or find us on the CFAX 1070 website. We need to take a quick break here, but when we come back, we'll be talking about the history of real estate in Victoria with some local legends. Back in a moment.
0: You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070.
1: Hi there, thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. The Victoria Real Estate Board is an association of 1,380 realtors, as the number stands right now. Uh, The Real Estate Board has been in existence for a number of years, coming up to its 100th anniversary in a few years' time. And I have mentioned uh, many times over the years that I had the privilege of being the past president of the Real Estate Board. I was the president in 2008, 2008. And you may wonder, what does that mean? What what does it mean uh, to be, first of all, the Victoria Real Estate Board, and secondly, to be its president? Well, first of all, uh, we provide services to the real estate community. If you are on realtor.ca, you're doing searches for properties, you should know that the data that's there on the system comes from the realtors in Victoria. And it's the Victoria Real Estate Board that provides all that data. You know, if you're wondering... How many days on market a property has been on? What the sold price was? If it was listed before? All of this data it comes from the real estate board. It doesn't. It doesn't come from the government. A lot of people think that the government provides this information or the assessment authority provides this information. In fact, it's the reverse. The assessment authority gets their all of their data, all their real estate data from the real estate board. So it's a really important resource not only for the realtors in Greater Victoria. But also for the community at large. The real estate board also does things like uh, holding their members accountable. So if there is a complaint from a member of the public, goes through a process and a system, and realtors can get reprimanded for any sort of bad behavior or uh, not handling their customer as they should. Being the president of the real estate board means uh, generally being the spokesperson for the association, uh, and also. Just having a very good understanding about what is going on, not only in local real estate, but also the needs of the realtors in the community and also the community as well. What buyers and sellers are uh, wondering, you know, what their concerns are. Uh, Often legal concerns uh, and, of course, government concerns because with changes in government, there's changes in rules. There's been a lot of changes recently. You've heard about it uh, over the years or over the, the past few months anyways on our show here. So that's what the Read estate Board is all about. And I have with us today two guests, two very distinguished guests. They're in the studio right now. Uh, they are also past presidents of the Victoria Read Estate Board. I mentioned to you I was 2008. These gentlemen come uh, to us with some uh, background going even, even further back than that. Uh, we have with us here Ken Henderson and Bev Heighton. Ken and Bev, thanks for coming on our show. Our pleasure. Glad to be here. We're going to start with Ken. Ken, right. uh, you, uh, you're, you were the principal of uh, Henderson Realty? I was. Yeah. Uh, I remember the office on Quadra Street when I started yes. at Ocean City Realty. Just I'm still the there. Still there. Yeah. Uh, you bet. And um, when did you get licensed? How long have you been involved in Read the Star?
0: I was licensed in 1969 or 70. <laughs> okay.
1: All right. Yeah. I'm happy to report I was around at that time.
0: Yeah. I may have been very little, but yeah. Uh, yeah. We didn't have houses at that time. We just had tents and igloos. And <laughs> it seems things. so.
1: 1969 ish, and then you were the president in 1980, uh, 1980- 82, 83. Yeah. Now, uh, actually, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about this because most people remember 1982 was a very interesting year, not only in real estate, but in the economy
0: in general, right? Well, it shows what um, what government um, actions and reactions can have to the real estate market. Uh, at the time, people will, of the day will remember that um, inflation was probably running around 10 to 12%, sometimes even higher. And so the government, the federal government of the day, decided they were going to stop inflation, cold. Mm-hmm. And they did that by raising interest rates to about 18 or 20%. Yeah. And people were getting mortgages at... I was. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was a very, very difficult time for the real estate industry. And uh, I look with uh, interest now, and when, when I see the interest rates, or um, prices may mm-hmm. go up 3% or down 3%. While I was president of the real estate board. Prices in Victoria dropped thirty-five percent.
1: Yeah, no, we the three of us were at a dinner together. So the the yeah. um, we have a past presidents dinner of the Victoria Real Estate Board every year, and it's kind of nice. We we get to um, catch up and everything. And and you mentioned at that event that point in time where prices I can't remember what you said it was like a hundred and. Uh, oh, I unit. found some
0: old uh, newspaper clippings here before I came down today. Okay. And um, the prices in uh, March of 1983, uh, the average price in February actually was $104,200. Okay. Average price in Greater Victoria. All
1: right. <laughs> Which, of course, everyone right now would be going, oh, my goodness, because the average price is $920,000, right? Yes. Yeah. And um, But let's face it, even back then, $104,000, that was a lot of money, Right.
0: Actually, I, I thought at the time that all of these houses that were on the market, and, and I commented uh, at the time because there was a lot of pressure on me to explain why houses had dropped from one thirty six down to ninety six in in uh, mid eighty two. Yeah, but actually, I thought uh, that they all represented tremendous bargains, especially in the uplands. Yeah. Um, uh, my wife and I looked at a house in the Uplands for one hundred and sixteen thousand dollars at that time. Yeah, and we 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 didn't buy it because we couldn't afford it. But uh, um, I actually thought they were all tremendous bargains at the time. But it was a factor of interest rates. Okay, so
1: so let's just step back a little bit because you you had mentioned that those were the figures from one hundred and thirty six thousand dollars to ninety six thousand dollars in a year or something, right? Mm, yeah, I think overnight.
0: Overnight. <laughs> okay, yeah. so so in this my is... office, yeah, I remember distinctly because. These things have a habit of um, staying in your memory. Um, you remember the specific off- night. My yeah. office, in around uh, say March of '82, did about sixty ends, like sales, yeah. listings, and or sales. Yes. In the following month, we did three. From sixty to three. Exactly. All right.
1: Um, and was that just a blip in time, or no, that, was that
0: that extended right through my two years as president of the real estate board? Yeah, and uh, and um, the recovery took a long time, okay. a long time, and uh, it was a very difficult time. But it does put in perspective uh, government actions can have on the value of real estate, and I think we're seeing that today a bit. Okay, so let's just get something straight here: uh, overnight.
1: It went from $130,000 to $96,000, and it, the market ground to a halt. Whereas, you know, the, the rhetoric today is if property values went down 30% overnight, a whole bunch of people would jump into the marketplace and want to start buying. Mm-hmm. So then what, what happened in 1983, 82, 83, where that stopped?
0: Well, a lot of people, a lot of projects came to a halt um builders went broke and uh, projects st- uh, stalled and um very difficult time for our um uh, real Economy. estate community right. and so um a lot of people lost their jobs for starters not just real estate not no particularly in the construction industry yeah um electricians drywallers no more work. painters to do. carpet Appliances, roofers, steel workers—yeah—it just all came to, to a stop. And in fairness to the government of the day, it did stop inflation. Okay, you know it was—they were desperate times. But I'm just mentioning it in relationship to the average price that you mentioned today. Yeah.
1: Well, and 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 again, you know, it, it, we we're hearing this now with some of the changes that the government has implemented there have been um development sites that have canceled they've stopped as a result of this you know 400 units in Langford uh you know other other locations as well too is this an indication of you've been there like you remember
0: the day yeah. is this are yeah. we seeing this again I, I don't think to the same extent because uh, we have to keep in mind the um, interest rates of the day were 18 to 20% and and today we're thinking Interest rates have gone up to three and a half percent. <laughs> yes, yeah, three, three seven so, five. It's yeah, a lot so of money. Uh, All right. it's it's
1: not quite the same. Okay, interesting. We're talking with Ken Henderson. Ken is a past president of the Victoria Real Estate Board. Longtime established uh, real estate professional here in Greater Victoria, talking about the uh it was like a Black Thursday or something. Everyone talks about yeah. that,
0: right? Yeah, I remember a friend of mine. Who shall remain nameless? He said they're going to be jumping off the window ledges from this one. Oh, my goodness. They're going to be hanging from the edges. Yeah. By their fingertips.
1: (laughs) Well, listen, hold that thought. We're going to pick up this conversation. We need to take a quick break here. We'll be back in just a moment with past presidents Ken Henderson and Bev Heiden.
0: Now, the whole home show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070.
1: Hi there, everyone. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show is brought to you every week in part by Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Services, Modern Mortgage Group, Carrie Augustini, insurance manager for Island Savings, and Carrie Smith, home inspector with Inspect Tech. If you need an opinion from experts in insurance mortgages or building inspection, be sure to call Denise, Carrie, and Carrie. They're great people to talk to. You can find their contact information on our Web page on the CFAX website. Just look up the whole home show with me, Tony Joe, and all their confirmation all their contact information is there. We're having a conversation today about the history of real estate here in Greater Victoria. Just before the break, we were chatting with Ken Henderson, longtime uh, realtor here in Victoria, past president of the real estate board back in 1982, 1983. Uh, and we're we're here with Bev Heighton, Bev also too as a past president. Uh, Bev and Ken, uh, thank you, both of you guys, for, for coming here. Our pleasure. Um, Bev, you've been listening in on the conversation with Ken. You were there. You remember this. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, give us your uh, thoughts about what happened there in 1982 when we saw sale prices go from 130000 to $96,000 overnight.
2: Well, what it really does is it um, uh, indicates the uh, cyclical nature of uh, – of real estate, and it, it uh, changes dramatically um, over the years. In fact, I have a, an article out of a national magazine which indicates uh, the headline story being, "Why can't these people buy a home?" The housing pri- uh, housing crisis in Canada is out of control, and it goes on to talk about fifteen hundred hard to house house uh, people in Victoria. Mm-hmm. And uh, the interesting thing about that article, even though those headlines could be produced today and would resonate with people, that article was printed in 1967, in May of 1967. (laughs) Okay. So if you go back to that time, there was the similar headlines as you have today indicating a housing crisis. Prices were out of control, and it talks about a home in Toronto being worth $59,000. How can anybody afford a home in Toronto for Mm $59,000 back in 1967? Well, of course, you know what's happened since then. We've had steady uh, increases, and then we also have precipitous drop-offs in price structure. Uh, You and Ken were discussing the 1981 collapse. Well, that was a dramatic collapse in the real estate market. It was like somebody turned the tap off. The market crashed, dropped 35%, and it took six years for the market to struggle back up to a level that it had dropped off at. So then the market continued on working away, and it actually was very good, very stable, And then it started to pick up dramatically in 2005. And then we came to the big economic collapse in 2008. Once again, property values in Victoria plummeted as they did across the country. Projects were stalled. You might recall holes in the ground filled up with water. There was... Price reduction signs on every listing in the. And city. this wasn't
1: long ago. This, we're talking. This is
2: 2008. Yes. Yeah. You know, people's uh, memories are very short. Yeah. So 2008, we had this tremendous slowdown, critical um, loss of value, and then gradually the market started to creep back up. And get beyond where it had dropped off.
1: Well, and this is the thing because I re- I was there because that was my year as it was president, your right? your year, yeah. And, and um, so the market dropped, <clears throat> and of course, Ken, everybody blamed me for that, just like they would have blamed you at the time. Yes, right? I it's ran like, out did? of uh,
0: <laughs> excuses trying to explain <laughs> <That's> it.
1: <right. laughs> but 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 anyways, uh, the market dropped, prices dropped, but then in 2010, two years later, um, we were even we exceeded what the reduced price was. So it recovered quicker. It was two it, years versus the did. six years. That it rec- It
2: recovered yeah. quicker and has continued on a relatively strong basis right to this very day.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Albeit, here we are now starting to see market forces slowing down. The demand has certainly slowed down. Yeah. The amount of inventory coming onto the, into the marketplace, just even in the MLS statistics, is increasing dramatically. Numbers of sales have reduced. So when all of this product that's under construction now comes onto the market, are we going to see a super saturated situation where supply exceeds demand and that always moderates prices as we go along? Yeah, naturally. Naturally. Yeah. Cyclical. Yes. Notwithstanding government interference.
1: Yeah. Or interventions. Well, and, and this is the thing, because, you know, it's it's funny. I, the People often forget about the fact that real estate does not always go up. Quite right. And I remember I was paying attention to Calgary a few years ago. It was maybe about uh, eight years ago, because their market dropped. And it's, you know, the, the hubris of the uh, Alberta market at the time, uh, people were saying our, our market would never go down. That's quite right. Right. And it did. And even still right now, Calgary and Edmonton. It's very flat. Especially Calgary. Yep. And um, so the reality is every market changes. The Vancouver market has changed and it will change. Our market will change. Um, but on the other hand, uh, many feel or, or hope that the government here would affect a change like Ken was saying, where prices will go down 30% overnight. And I guess the question is, can that happen here?
0: It, I, I, I think it's, think it's unlikely. Yeah, it's unlikely. Yeah,
2: there definitely will be a moderation, and as people um, need to sell in a in a slow market, they will adjust their prices down in order to capture that buyer that's out there looking for a bargain. Buyers are quick to jump on the fact that prices are moderating. Sellers tend not. Mm-hmm. To really understand and recognize it because they want to see the value of their home at the highest level. Yeah. And in some cases, they start chasing the
1: market down, which is not the appropriate thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what you're talking about is when you see a house that's been on the market for a long time, it's had a number of successive price reductions. And um, the seller will feel because it's true that they're behind one step of the market all the time, right? Yeah,
2: maybe they should jump ahead yeah. and have the market
1: come to them. Yeah, how true, how true. Uh, you know, Ken, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm still thinking about what you said about your office going from sixty from, uh, sixty many, sixty sales to three, three within a yeah. month. Yeah, within thirty days.
0: Yeah, and. Uh, it was quite staggering. It was just an amazing thing. It was it was just like somebody turned the lights out at three o'clock on a Friday afternoon and that was it. Mm-hmm. The game was over and and you know, where I was talking about those prices like uh they I'm reading my notes here from an old magazine, but uh the the actual bottom was June of nineteen eighty two. Yeah. Uh historically speaking. And the market had come all the way up a year later to a hundred and four thousand. And so, um, but let's face it, if
1: people want to time it, right? You never know, you cannot time the bottom of the market because once you figured out it's the bottom, it's coming back up again, right? And well,
0: you, you can tell me, Tony, I was just noticing that um, the average number of listings from the board yep. or on the MLS system at the time. Went from around, uh, I think, two thousand two hundred to thirty five hundred. How does that compare to today? Uh, We're still low. I mean, we our
1: inventory is up thirty percent, but we're still at I think it's twenty. I'm going to say twenty
0: four hundred listings at this point in time. Yeah, so we had more than that in 1980. Two and three.
2: With a much larger population base, too. Today. Our population has grown considerably since yeah. those days, for sure.
1: Because, you know, at this point, we're still low right now at 2,400 listings. We would normally be around, uh, you know, th- uh, almost 4,000 level. So uh, even though comparatively we're high compared to last year, that was a low inventory level,
0: we're still low compared to um, the
1: normal. But I hear what you're saying, Ken. You're, well, you're, I noticed...
0: Um I read the other day the Greater Vancouver Board released their uh, monthly statistics, yeah. and they had something like 13,000 listings, which I gather is not unusual. Yeah. But they, in one month, they had 3,600 new listings come on the market. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's that's a, that's a
1: very different conversation over there. We're going to pick that up because we need to take a quick break here uh, once again. We're in the studio with Ken Henderson and Bev Heighton. Ken and Bev are past presidents of the Victoria Real Estate board uh, both with years of experience going back uh, a long time nothing more past than a past president Tony including including you we'll be back in just a moment
0: this is the whole home show with Tony Joe on Cfax 1070.
1: Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. We're talking about the state of real estate here in Victoria, not just right now at this point in time, but what happened years ago, 35 years ago, 50 years ago, or even longer. We're here with uh, people who were in the market back then and can give us some insight as to what happened, maybe what to look out for. Uh, as the market changes here in Victoria and beyond. We have Ken Henderson and Bev Heighton, both past presidents of the Victoria Real Estate Board, um, and both principals of companies named after them. I remember Bev's office uh, on Shellborn. Heighton and Associates. Yes, Yes. great, uh, great, great spot. Um, Ken, something else that you mentioned uh, when we were talking at the past president's dinner a little while ago, just weeks ago was you you said that you have observed that uh, businesses like the excavation companies are starting to look for work now, whereas they weren't not that long ago. Yeah, they had it, all the work they
0: could have. And right? it shows you how fast it can happen because we've been talking about a, sh- a shortage of skilled labor for some time now. And uh, one of my friends said that they've had several calls from excavators wondering if they had any new projects coming up. And another associate uh, is building a rental housing uh, project, and they like about eight drywallers on site because it you know, works in conjunction with the the other trades as they move up uh, a floor. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, one day, there were 30 drywallers on site. Wow. And uh, this was just a week ago. Okay. And, uh, Whereas six well, months ago, you couldn't find a drywaller. Exactly. And now uh, this one... The subcontractor uh, didn't want to lay off his excess drywallers, thinking that there's another job around the corner, but that's how quickly it can happen. Okay. So for our listeners here,
1: this is alarming because um, our, our market has been such that the, the real, people are buying things, right? So the, the developers are feeling uh, pretty confident. It's a risky proposition to be a developer because they start putting money in a hole in the ground. They don't see it back for four years, five years, right? Um, so the excavators are usually the first line, you know, the first guys making that hole in the ground. Um, and if these guys are right now looking for businesses starting to get hungry, what does this say about, the rest of the trades after that because you got the foundation guys and then you got the framing guys and then you got the electricians and the
0: drywallers. Well, there's a lot of holes in the ground. There's a lot of projects coming out of the ground. So I think the construction industry is going to be strong for at least two years. Mm-hmm. It's going to slow down for sure, but, but there's just so much work uh, in front of us everywhere you look in Pandora and, and elsewhere. There's uh, holes in the ground. So I, I would like to pass along one word of caution, though. And it's something that I dealt with back in back in the day, and that and that is uh, the situation where people would buy a house without selling their own home first, mm-hmm. and uh, and that was the major major issue that we found that people were getting stuck with two homes. Yeah. And so, as a word of caution, I would say to any prospective buyers out there. Uh, Um, Don't get stuck with two houses.
1: (laughs) Okay, and you know what? Actually, that that, uh, making an offer on a house without having your house sold in a strong market like we just came from, where a seller is pretty well assured that the minute they stick a for sale sign up on their lawn, it's going to sell overnight. Yeah, maybe that technique is okay. It's risky still, right? But uh, I hear what you're saying, Ken. Uh, Right now, when the tides are changing, you don't want to get stuck
0: uh, stuck on the wrong side. And my son was in, uh, trying to do just that, despite my (laughs) advice advice. to the contrary. But but, uh, the mortgage broker at the time said, you you can't, uh, I can't tell you how many people, clients of mine that are now stuck with two homes. And so I will not give you a mortgage on your second house. You don't qualify for it unless you sell your own home first.
1: Yeah. And the danger for anyone moving forward that way is if you can't come up with the money, you can lose your deposit, or it could be even worse than that, right?
2: The other thing that I think about, too, just in terms of the real estate industry and our uh, fellows in it, our colleagues, is that a lot of people have come in uh, very recently over the last five or six years. They only know the strong market. And so they only know the strong market. And typically um, the markets that Ken and I have been through lots of times a house would take four, five, six months to sell, um, managing the, the listing, promoting continuous amounts of managing advertising your clients' expectations. and, and right? dealing directly with the clients to have them understand what's happening in the marketplace. And um, you know it can be a challenging thing to think that you might have to uh, work so closely. With a seller, and not just overnight, be able to sell that home and have multiple offers on it, because mm-hmm. that's un- that really is in the history of real estate an unusual circumstance. Mostly, it's more measured, um, deliberate. slower, yeah. deliberate. Everybody's got to be very conscious of the conditions of the marketplace.
1: Uh, speaking of that, so you know, you just referenced uh, how multiple offers, bidding wars—it's—it's it's, they're rare, right? Um, So in in your guys' memory here, how many other points in time did you see that white-hot multiple-offer bidding war marketplace?
2: Multiple offers uh, is more of a a situation that's that's recent than it was in the past. If something was, you know, uh, perceptually underpriced and it was in some target market, you might see a couple of occurrences of that type of thing Even in happening. a bad marketplace, if it was priced yes, right, and you got more than one buyer. Yeah. yeah, because people are tuned into the market. And the interesting thing today is the buyers are generally way more educated than they were in the past mm-hmm. because there's so much information available to them, especially on the internet. Yeah, So they're a very, very knowledgeable group of people. I'm not sure
1: that the sellers match the buyer's uh, knowledge base. Uh-huh. Good point. Very good point. Mm-hmm. Very good point. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think about the whole bidding war thing, and and uh, so in 2017, uh, it was f- I think 46 percent of my listings were multiple offers, yeah. right? And before that, I I can remember like 10 year spans of time where I never even saw one.
2: Right. Absolutely, it was an unusual yeah. situation to have multiple offers on any given listing. Yeah. Generally speaking,
0: in the past, excuse me. Generally speaking, those situations are are very difficult for the licensee. The licensee can't win those games. Yeah, it's Uh, complicated. The seller is going to get upset, or the buyer is going to get upset, or the the two people that missed the house uh, are upset, or the you know, it's a difficult situation. And most licensees. Would prefer not to go through it. Yeah,
1: well, it's true, Ken. You know, it's funny how how uh, we hear it all the time, where people are like, "Oh, the market's white hot. You guys must be loving it. You know, you're just making money hand over fist," and it is not. Right? Mm. We we can dispel no that fun. myth right now. A hot marketplace is not a, a a fun time for the real estate business. No, that's true. Yeah, and then the reason for that is anyone who's working with a buyer who's out there desperately trying to find a property, they are writing offers on 5, 10, 15 houses not succeeding, and it's basically work times 15.
2: Yes, indeed. Right. And conversely, in the, in the opposite type of market where prices are plummeting and sellers are desperate and their value of their home is less than what their mortgage is, um, that's equally difficult for yeah. the uh, licensee to deal with. So what we like is a nice stable market with a little bit of inflation to bail everybody out of yeah. their situation but not so radical that it's fast moving with multiple
1: offers or conversely a serious drop in value. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because it really, you know, we hear it all the time where where the the general thought is, you know, the the real estate business loved that that crazy, crazy marketplace, and, and we don't.
2: Oh, very difficult.
1: Yeah. yeah. Of course,
2: the residential uh, realtors definitely get it in the neck because, of course, it's so fraught with emotion yeah. and uh, people looking to uh, secure that home for their future. Um, it puts a lot of stress on not only the individuals involved, but the licensees working with them. Very difficult.
1: Yeah, actually, and you bring that up because you um, you're the managing broker of a commercial uh, brokerage. Yes, commercial. Yes. Y- so much more sane, of course. Much you know. more sane. So what what has been um, what's been the, the thought from the commercial world about uh, the shift in the marketplace recently?
2: Well, the commercial. Um, Business is more to do with um, math- mathematical returns on investment. So it's a little more um, technical in nature, and emotion doesn't play such a big role in the, uh, in the decision-making process. Um, so you don't get the wild swings in the commercial world, such as you have in the residential world. Mm-hmm. Um, you do get uh, different levels of uh, return expectations. And that talks about capitalization, income streams, and a whole bunch of stuff that is a little too complicated to go in at this moment. Mm-hmm. But the commercial world um, is a bit more stable, but it's more mathematically um, thought mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But you're right. High emotions. And that's the thing about uh, when, when you're playing with somebody's home. Yeah. Yeah. or And the prospect of being homeless, right? Uh, whereas uh, as things start shifting now, all of a sudden people, like you said, uh, they're not selling in
0: four days; they're selling in four months. Tony, um, the uh, commercial market is not immune to the uh, to the new marketplace. Um, witness the Sears being uh, vacating Hillside Mall. Yeah, and Ambracron
2: uh, just uh, canceling the project out at the yeah. airport lands. Yeah, yeah,
0: and. Uh, I'm in the retail business in a small way, and, and we're noticing more difficulty in leasing up small spaces. Yeah. And uh, the Amazons of this world are affecting uh, mom-and-pop retail in a big, big way.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so it's, it's sad it's, to see, unfortunately. Yeah, we manage
0: a lot of um, yeah.
2: properties in the city. Um, shopping centers and office buildings and the like. And so the tenancy of those definitely reflects, to some degree, the uh, market. The market. Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, where my office is in the Oakby Village, right? It's yes. it's kind of sad to see. It's hard for little operations, those mom-and-pop shops, to make a go at it uh, in, in the retail world. Absolutely. Yeah, which is sad because, you know,
0: that's what those little villages were all about, right? Well, uh, was it Rona just closed 40 stores in Canada? Yes, yeah. So the retail market, the commercial market, and the housing market, it's all, it's all always in flex, mm-hmm. flux.
1: Well, yeah. I, I guess the biggest thing here is we've had some government uh, controls recently here, speculation tax, foreign buyer tax, a number of things, and they were meant to cool the, the real estate market. I think it's one of these be careful what you wish for right? Yes. And
2: of course, I mean, it's coming in at a time when the market is already cycling. Yes. You know, it, was due. Uh, it this is just loading difficulties on top and they may get more than they bargained for. And, you know, we know the government relies on property transfer taxes. Yeah. Well, property transfer taxes are going down. So where are they going to get that
1: additional revenue from? Yeah. Well, they've been collecting in excess of a billion dollars a year. A lot of as money. As a result of that.
0: Yes. I was just talking to a friend last night who had hoped to sell his condo, but the buyers walked yeah. because the uh, property purchase tax, irrespective of the foreign buyer's tax, the property purchase tax was $110,000. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... A tax, yeah. That's a that's a big whack of money, and of course the same is true with expensive cars. And so yeah. the government should be careful what they wish for because they're, somebody make up may wake up one morning and say, what happened to my job? Exactly. Well, thanks for coming,
1: uh, Ken and Bev. Uh, always great having your your insight and your background uh, in local real estate uh, and in Victoria in general. Bev Heighton and Ken Henderson, thanks for coming. Thank, Thank you. you. And to the rest of our listeners, thanks for listening in. We'll be here for you again this time next week.